this is Jaden. I remember Jaden when he was like tiny, tiny. And uh, this family has, we were just talking back there, this family's endured a lot in the last couple years. I got reconnected in a hard way two years ago. And we had to lay Jaden's brother Zach to rest. And then he showed up here a month ago. Showed up here a month ago and met me in the lobby. <laughs> he walked up to me and said, you remember me? And I looked at him and I, no, two years ago, he was a skinny high school dude. <laughs> and in two years, he became a man. And we started talking. And a couple of weeks ago, Jaden was in this service. And he said that he just knew God was telling him to do something right then. And the interesting thing, that's how the Holy Spirit works. I've got to tell this part of the story. At the end of the service, Elizabeth, one of our decision counselors, was standing right over here. And after the service was over, she came and she said, I don't know what happened. I said, what do you mean? She said, the whole time I was standing over there, she said, I could feel God saying, they're here and they're ready. And that night, yeah, that night, I didn't know. We just said, oh, it's all right. When is time? That night, I just sent Jaden a text and said, hey, man, it's great seeing you around church now. And he said, can we talk next week about being baptized? Because I knew, I knew I was supposed to do that today. So we talked about it last week. And we were just back. I love it when a man steps up and says, this is what I got to do. So, so proud of you, man. So proud of you. And I want you to repeat what I know you believe about Jesus, all right? I believe. I believe. That Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. Son of the living God. And I accept him. I accept him. As my personal Lord and Savior. As my personal Lord and Savior. Jaden, because of that confession, I baptize you in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of all your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life forever. Man, that's what it's all about right there. That is what it's all about right there. I just want to welcome you. My name is Dennis Dove, the executive minister here, and welcome to Shelby Christian and those watching online. Um, as a reminder, after I'm done praying, we have communion stations set up around. You can go get that. It's double cupped with the bread and juice all in one, and there's offering boxes there too uh, for you to, to worship through giving uh, there. Uh, I talked to uh, my son Luke, who's down in Guatemala. He's a missionary in Guatemala. Talked to him yesterday. It was his one-year anniversary, or whatever you call that, for being a missionary uh, down there. Um, so, yeah, yeah, proud of the guy. Um, and he wanted me to tell you guys thank you, uh, that he couldn't uh, be there, uh, do what he does without your all's support, without your all's prayer, without you all helping raise him up to, to do that. So, um, so I appreciate that. And he wanted me to, to tell you guys that. Um, and also, uh, I know if, to, to keep those prayers going, we have a team going to Guatemala. Uh, I'm so excited that Bradley's continued on what Seth started uh, with trips to Guatemala. 
um, because those youth trips uh, is what changed his mind to become a missionary, what all three of my kids uh, went with, with Seth, and those trips just changed your life, right, and, and your whole perspective of things. So they leave Thursday and Friday, so please pray for, I think it's a group of about 20 uh, that are going, so, so pray for that group, please, uh, next week. Uh, and then also, uh, in the Guatemala theme, uh, I went down there with a couple of guys, Jeff Belcher and Richard Clawson, a couple of weeks ago to, uh, to do a mission trip with Luke. And it was, it was an amazing time. And it's tough to say, hey, I had a great time in a third world developing country where whatever. But the, the people there are an amazing people. They would go to home visits. And it's not like our home visits, you know, like they have one room the size of my bedroom, maybe that, you know, five, six people are living in. The floors are dirt. You know, they don't have running water. The, the walls are held up with sticks on the side. Um, and they're joyful. They're so glad you came. They want to go and like buy you a Coke, right? You know, and give you something. Um, because they're just so excited to see you. Even though they have nothing, they still have joy. And as I was preparing for this, I was reading in Matthew when Jesus was, was telling the disciples what was going to happen. And he said, you're going to grieve. I'm going to go away and you will grieve. But I'll come back and you will rejoice. And you will have a joy that no one can take away. So as we come to this time, we'll remember the, the life of Jesus and what he did for us. I don't, I don't care what all is going on here. I mean, I care about your life and what's going on in there. I sounded wrong. But we have a joy that no one can take away. Because Christ came down to die for me and to die for you. Because he loved each and every one of you guys so much. Let's pray. Dear Father, we just thank you for the day. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you. You're just so awesome. Thank you for your love. Even though we don't deserve it, that that you would send Jesus down for us. What more could you have done for us? Help us not to get distracted by the world, but help us to have a joy that no one can take away. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
afternoon, and Jesus is dead. His brutalized body hanging without life on a cross dropped into a hole in the dirt. His executioners had dug the holes, prepared the place, and done their job with ruthless efficiency. This wasn't how it was supposed to be. The hope of mankind overcome by powers of hell, by the shadow of a grave. We once knew what it was like to rule and reign on the earth. We were made to live in the light, in relationship, in purpose. We were made for more than what we've come to accept as normal. Ever since the garden, Satan and his kingdom have been tightening their grip. Darkness has ruled evil, chaos, suffering, hopelessness. We've been enslaved and crippled by the holes the enemy has been digging for us too. became a catalyst for salvation. The hole that was dug to hold an instrument of shame and death was instead filled with an instrument to bring healing and new life. That's the way God is. Nothing is impossible with him. He's always restoring, always renewing, always able to take what was meant for evil and turn it for good. To take our graves and turn them into gardens. Why? Because he never gave up on his plan. He has never given up on us. He knows what we don't, that you can't have resurrection life without death, Jesus. He died so we can have lives of purpose and power over the grave. He is not dead. He is alive. And because he lives, we can live again. There's nothing better. only one who can. And so why? 
Why do we continue? Why do we continue to search this world over? Right? To fill us up. Why do we look for man's empty praise and treasures that fade? Why do we look to those things to fill a void inside of us that can only be filled with Jesus Christ? Right? We, we have this tension. You probably feel this tension in, in your life, right? You, you go through life and you think, okay, this next thing. If, if when you're younger, right, when you're in high school, college, okay, this relationship, if I can just get that girl or if I can get that guy to, to love me, to fall in love with me, that'll be it. And the rest will be easy street. And then you land that relationship, right? And you realize after a while, there's still a void, There's still this thing inside of you that longs for something more. Maybe you land that job, you get that career that you've always dreamed of, right? And you're there and you're in that and you're making a ton of money and you're killing it and everything's going great. And you come home one day and you're exhausted and you're empty. And it's like, I thought this was it. I thought this was the answer. And there's still a void. You could raise the greatest kids in the world. And they could go on to do the greatest things that this world has ever seen. And you could sit back one day in your rocking chair and be have this big grin on your face, thankful for these children that God's blessed you with. And it still won't be enough. You, you can have a loving marriage 50, 60, 70 years and one day you'll stand there at the casket beside your spouse and you'll realize that still wasn't enough. You could gain all the riches that this world has to offer and it will never ever fill that void that only he can fill, right? And so when we hear that, when we feel that, when we know it, why do we, why do I, why, why do we continue to search this world over for the things that this world cannot offer us? We, we have the answer. We knew from the very beginning, Jesus told us in, in the early parts of his gospel message in Matthew chapter six, Jesus said this. He said, don't store up treasures here on earth. Don't, don't store up a bunch of treasures here on earth. Relationships, stuff, people, careers, goals, all the things. This Don't store up a bunch of stuff on earth where, where moth comes in and eats it and where rust destroys it and where thieves come in and can steal it. Don't, don't store up a bunch of stuff on this earth. Instead, store your treasures. Where? What's he say? In heaven. And so what he's saying is your, your focus needs to be an eternal focus. Don't get distracted by the things of this world. Focus on Jesus. Focus on eternity. Focus on heaven. We're in this series called Graves to Gardens. And for the next four weeks, off of that song that we just sang... We're going to look at some some of the the words, some of the phrases that that song sings and how it connects specifically to Scripture and what we can learn from that, what we can draw from that. But here's what I want you to understand this morning, that this world, nothing that it offers will ever be enough because we were meant for more. We were created to spend eternity with Jesus 
And this world does not offer that. It is beyond this world. This life is just a mist. It's just for a small segment of time. In your life. Whether you, you are granted with 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, it's still a mist, right? In the grand scheme of things. There's another passage in that song that says this Then you came along and you put me back together, and every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Where do we find satisfaction? It's not in this world, it's not in the broken mess. That is this world. Here's what I know about us this morning. That as we gather in this place today, there are stories all throughout this auditorium that can be told of of people who are sitting here this morning. And some of you are broken. Some of you are are broken hearted. Some of you are, are in the middle of a mess right now. Maybe it's a relational mess. Maybe it's a financial mess. Maybe it's some kind of spiritual mess. There, there is something that you're just sitting in the middle of this morning and you don't see a way out because you're in the middle of your brokenness. You're in the middle of something that looks like a grave, that looks like the end, that looks like defeat. But I want to share with you this morning That if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, it can only be the beginning, if if you're willing. It it can be the, the start of a story that He wants to tell in your life, not the end. I've I've um I've been distracted this week. Usually when it's, it's, it's the week for, to, to preach for me. I try to at least carve out a couple of days to just pray and think and study and read and write and those things. But, but that, was, that was really hard. There were a lot of this, just stuff that kind of happened this week. But there, was just, there were some people and some families that were just on my, on my heart all week about what they were going through and what they were dealing with because of this world. And here's what what you'll hear people say. People in the world will say this. They'll say, well, that, that young man lost his battle with cancer. Here, here's what you need to know. That if, if a young man professes Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, when he dies of cancer, he does not lose a battle. He wins. Right? He just beat us there. Right? He just beat us all there. And yesterday, this, this auditorium was packed with people who were mourning their family member and their friend. But what I hope they understand is that they didn't lose Greg. He won. He won the race. And, and, and this week, this week we, we, we saw a, a sweet, gentle, kind man. Go to be with the Lord. He was in his, his 70s. He, he had fought Parkinson's disease for, for almost 30 years. 
He didn't lose his battle with Parkinson. He won the race. He is running the streets of heaven today. His body is whole and complete. And he is in the presence of the Lord. He won. He was not defeated. God is the only one that can tell that story of turning a grave into a garden. And that's what this is all about. Here's what the author of this story, or one of the authors of the story, his name's Chris Brown. He worships at a church in Charlotte, North Carolina called Elevation. And here's what he said about the the song that they wrote, Graves into Gardens. He said this, We hope that this song provides a new perspective that allows people to see new life in seemingly dead places. Do you feel... Do you feel dead inside sometimes? Because what God breathes on must come to life. And what we may see as a grave, you guessed it, God sees as a garden. And so you may look at your current set of circumstances. You may look at the situation that you find yourself in today. Others may look at that situation and go, man, you're beaten. You're defeated. It's over. That's a tough break. And I hate that for you. You're between a rock and a hard place. Right? All these things that we look at and say, oh man, that, that really stinks to be you. But what the world looks at as a grave, what Satan intends for your defeat. God can turn that into something beautiful. He'll take your mess and he'll turn it into his mission. If you and I are willing to do so. He's done it before. And he'll do it again. And so what we need to be reminded is that we worship a God. And we just sang about it. Who turns mourning into dancing. He turns shame into glory. He turns graves into gardens. He turns bones into armies. And he turns seas into highways. I want to focus for the next few minutes on that last phrase, seas into highways that we just sang about. You guys know where that, some of you know where that comes from, right? It it comes from the Old Testament. It comes from Exodus chapter 14. Let me kind of set it up for you. Here's what's happening. The Israelite people have been enslaved. They've been in bondage. They've been in, in Egypt for over 200 years as slaves. That is, that is who they have been for over 200. Just imagine that. Decade after decade, generation after generation, this is who they are. And so they just grow into like, this is our lot in life. This is who we are supposed to be. We are slaves to the Egyptians. And then about 200 years, a little over 200 years later, God finally gets to the place where it's like, okay, we're we're done with this. There's a new phase is going to happen in the life of the Israelite people. And so Pharaoh, who's who's in charge, right? You guys, some of you may remember the story where, where Moses is the leader. God says, Moses, I want you to go talk to Pharaoh. And I want you to go plead with him and tell him that, that he needs to let my people go. That let, my people are ready to get out of Egypt. I'm pulling them out. They're coming out. And so Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, hey, God wants people like we're, we're out of here. And Moses, Pharaoh says, nope, not going to happen. God sends a plague and he sends a second plague. He says, oh, ten plagues, right? The last plague is, is the death angel and it kills the firstborn son of all the, the households in, in Egypt. And, and at that time, you know, Pharaoh, his son dies and he's like, all right, I'm done with these, these Israelites. You know, they've got this powerful God apparently on their side. So I'm just going to let them go. I'm tired of you guys. Get out of here. And so they get out of Egypt. Uh, about 2 million people. There were 600,000 men, so times about 4, 2.4, 2, 2, 2, 2.5, 3 million people take off and leave out of Egypt, out into the wilderness. 
They, they take off. Moses leads them. They get out. They're, they're out, of the, out, of, out of Egypt. Pharaoh realizes, hey, what have I done? Because he's got this whole, this whole world that's built, this economy that's built on the backs of these slaves. And now they've been taken out. And it's like, why, what are we going to do? Like, we need them for our life to go on for us. We had it pretty good here in Egypt. Now all of our slaves are gone. Oh, no. Second thoughts. And so he runs after them. He sends 600 chariots and charioteers and his army. And he goes and he chases after the Israelite people. And so there they are, the Israelite people. They're, they're out in the wilderness. They're in the desert. And they're, they're right about to be on the shore of the Red Sea. And so here's the picture, right? The sea's in front of them. The wilderness and the desert is on both sides. And Pharaoh and his men are breathing down their necks. It looks like they are surrounded. You you guys know that other song that we sing? Surrounded? It looks like I'm surrounded, but, but what? But I'm surrounded by you. It may look like... These people, when you read this story, oh no, it, it's, it's, it stinks to be them. There's this big sea in front of them, the army behind them. There's nowhere to go. They're hemmed in. They're there. They're sitting ducks. It's over for the Israelite people. It may look like they're surrounded, but they were surrounded by God. But here's what they do. Interesting enough, as soon as, as trouble is, is, is on the backside coming toward them, the Israelite people, they look at Moses and they go, Moses, they're coming. What are we doing? Why did you bring us out here? Why, it wasn't it good enough for us? Let us go back to, to Egypt and let's just, we'll go back and be slaves. We don't want to die in the, in this desert. Aren't there enough graves in Egypt to bury us? Why are we out here? It's all over. Let us go back where it may look like you're surrounded. God says, hold on a second. I want you to understand that my glory is going to show up in the middle of your defeat. Look at what happens in Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. It says this. And so here's what Moses says to the people. As they're complaining and yelling and crying, and, and, and we would be too. It's like, what in the world? Like, what, where, was this a trap? Why did we do this? Look at what happens. Moses says, don't be afraid. He looks at the people and says, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see them again. They're going to be gone. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. There, there's a whole sermon in those three sentences, right? Don't be afraid. Be still and watch God rescue you. The Lord's going to fight your battles. Just stay calm. When it may look like you're surrounded, when it may look like you're defeated, when it may look like it's the end for you, God comes in and says, watch me turn this grave into a garden. And what he does here is he says, watch me turn this sea into a highway because that's exactly what he does. This is a fascinating scene. Here's what happens next. Then, then Moses, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. First he says, stop, stand still, sit here, listen, watch. And then he says, okay, now Moses, now tell them to get moving. Tell them to start walking. Pick up your staff, raise your hands over the sea, divide the water so that the Israelite people can walk through the middle of the sea on dry 
ground. Here, here's what I've, uh, there's a lot of things I find fascinating about this story. But one of the things I find fascinating is that, that God doesn't cause it to just be like waist deep water where they get through the water, right? It's not like it's knee deep water. It's not like it's ankle deep water that they're just kind of sloshing through. It's not like it's a muddy, like, like seabed. This is dry water. He turns this sea into a highway, smooth sailing. But here's what's fascinating. God tells Moses to tell the people, start walking, start moving. They're moving. Here's what, do you, do you catch it? They're moving toward the Red Sea before it's completely been divided. They don't, they're looking at it going, all right, Moses, this isn't a very good plan. There's a, there's a sea in front of us. The Egyptians are behind us. We can't go anywhere else. You want us to start walking? Start walking. Get moving. Hey, there's, there's faith that comes in saying, okay, God, I'm going to trust you even though I don't see a, a way around this. I'm going to trust you even in the middle of this storm, even in the middle of this chaos, even in the middle of these circumstances that look dire to me. But you say start walking. Okay, we're going to start walking. And then they start walking. They start moving. And here's what happens next. Because sometimes there's no way around situation. Sometimes you just have to, you just have to go through it, right? Winston Churchill is famous for saying, when you're going through hell, keep going, right? When you're going through hell, keep going. Don't stop. Get to the other side of it. There are things that you learn in life. And some of you guys have learned this. You don't, you don't want to face a certain set of circumstances. You, you don't want to face this thing. And you know that the only way, there's no way around it. The only way is through it. We got to go through it. And so that's exactly what's happening here with these Israelite people in the, in the, in the Red Sea. Here's what happens next. I love this. Verse 21 says, Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew that night, turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. You guys ever been to... Uh, have you ever been to like one of those aquariums, like a Newport Aquarium or, or Gatlinburg, Ripley's Aquarium or whatever, and you, you do the tunnel, like where you walk through and it's like the, you do the tunnel and the water's all around you and there's fish and sharks or whatever and they're all like swimming around. Oh, look, there's a, like a shark to swim above us or whatever, right? I, I just kind of picture the people walking through going, oh, look, fishies, you know, whatever, like this big like, wall of water on both sides. And God, did I tell you they're walking on dry land? This had to be fascinating and mesmerizing and awesome and, and just totally freaked out, scary and like terrified, like all of that wrapped up in one. I can't believe what's happening, right? This is happening to us, for us. God, y'all, did you catch it? God just turned a sea into a highway and they walked right through it. Look at what happens next. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and their charioteers. Then the Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them in the sea. Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and the charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh. Of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. That's a story that only God can tell. No one's greater than him. That is a story that only God can come up with. And here's what I, here's what I Realize is that there are people. There, there may be some today. You may be sitting. I don't. Like, I don't know if I believe that, Jason. Like that sounds like. I mean, I don't know if I'm really totally believing that that story. Right? I get it. It's it's hard to believe God would turn a sea into a highway. It really is. 
It's also hard to believe that he would raise from the dead. And if he can raise from the dead, don't you think he can turn a sea into a highway? That's nothing. Why do we doubt the simple stuff and accept the the miraculous of like the tomb that is empty, right? He turned a sea into a highway, y'all. That's crazy. That blows my mind. Several hundred years after God made that sea into a highway. The prophet Isaiah reminded the Israelite people of that which they'd forgotten. Because here's what happens. We forget. We forget. Even after generation after generation of Israelite family sharing parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-great-great, all the way back, right? Like saying, hey, there was this one day. We left Egypt. Like we were freed. God freed us. Moses led us out of, of Egypt. We were free people. It was one of the greatest days in the history of our nation. And God, he separated the sea. They would tell the story. Generation after generation after generation. And in the first few generations, they'd probably sit and go, Hey, hey, Dad, tell us that story about when you saw God do that. Grandpa, tell us that story you remember. And then, great, and then like, but, but it would fade, right? After, you know, after hundreds of years, it's like, oh yeah, did that really happen? Well, my, they, old people used to talk about it all the time, and I don't know if that really happened. So God comes in and he says, I'm going to remind my people because they forget of God's faithfulness. And here's what the prophet Isaiah said. He said this, speaking God's words. He said, I am the Lord, your holy one, Israel's creator and king. I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, is what he said. Making a dry path through the seas. Remember when I did that? I called forth the mighty armies of Egypt with all their chariots and their horses. I drew them beneath the waters and they were drowned. Their lives were snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. What God says is, that Egyptian superpower led by Pharaoh and all those chariots and charioteers and that large, powerful army, it was like a candle wick had just been snuffed out. That's how insignificant it was to God and his plans. And he says to the Israelite people, you remember when I did that? Remember when I did that? Remember when I turned that sea into a highway for you? And then he says this, but forget about all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create riverbeds and dry wasteland. God says, I am going to do something new. He tells Isaiah, tell the people I'm going to do something new. And what I think God wants you guys to hear today, what he wants us to hear today, is that he wants to do something new in the middle of our brokenness. In the middle of our dry wasteland. He says, hey, in the middle of the sea, do you need a highway? Done. In the middle of the dry wasteland, do you need a river? A river you can drink from? Done. Here it is. God will provide. He's going to provide. He's always provided. He will provide for us in the middle of whatever it is we're going through. And so he dries up seed beds and he creates rivers and wastelands. He always makes a way. He's the way maker. He's the ultimate grave robber. He's defeated the grave. And he takes the defeated and he gives them a victory. He has broke, he has taken the broken and he gives them wholeness. And then look at this next little phrase in that song. It says, the God of the mountains is the God of the valley. There's not a place his mercy and grace won't find us. There's not a place that God's grace and his mercy and his love will not find you. Here's what I want you to know today. That in the middle of whatever it is you may be going through, in the middle of whatever graveyard you're walking through today, that the, the Lord of heaven and earth passionately pursues you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to know how much He loves you and what He's done for you through His Son, Jesus Christ. Because, here's what we need to understand. 
when Jesus was arrested, that wasn't the end. When, when Jesus was, was beaten, that wasn't the end. When, when they hung Jesus, when they nailed Jesus to that cross, to that piece of wood, that wasn't the end. When Jesus died, that wasn't the end. When, when they laid Jesus in that borrowed tomb of his friend Joseph, it wasn't the end. It is not the end until Jesus says it's the end. And y'all, it's just the beginning, right? It is only the beginning. And here's what some of you guys need to hear today. You feel defeated. You feel broken. You feel like life's a mess. You, you've heard, you've heard whatever this week, this month, this year, the last couple, and like you're just beaten down and you need to be reminded that it is not the end. It is not the end of any of it until Jesus says it's the end and he's not finished yet. What the world saw as a defeat, God knew was a victory. He mends the broken. He puts us back together. He delights. He loves using the defeated. If you knew, if you knew how unworthy and simple I feel for God to allow me to stand here this morning and share with you. I, there's no greater, I, I don't, if, if I believe anything, it's I believe that God can use a simple man to accomplish his mission. And if he's done it in my life and some of your lives, he wants to do it in all of us. He wants you to tell a story of what God's done through you. God will take your mess and he will repurpose it for your mission, for his mission. But here's what you have to understand. Here's, for any of this to work, for any of this to make sense, for any of this to, to go together, you have a part to play. And the part you have to play is that you have to be willing. You have to be willing for God to use you, to use your life, to use your mess, to turn your grave into a garden. You have to, you have to be willing for God to do that. And, and if you will do that, if you'll say, God, here it is, take it. Take my story. It doesn't seem very interesting. It, it, it seems kind of lame, actually. Like, I don't know how you're going to use me. I don't know how you're going to use this. I don't know what you're going to do with this. But if you, God's just saying, you just stand back and watch. You watch what I'll do with your life. If you're willing, I know, I know he will do that because he's done it in the past. He's done it in my life and I know he'll do it in your life. Here's what he's done in the past. Think about these people that God used. Noah. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused. Moses killed a guy. Daniel was outnumbered. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. David had an affair and he also murdered a guy. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Nobody wants to see that. All right. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs and smelled funny. Peter denied Jesus. The disciples fell asleep on the job. Martha worried about everything. The woman at the well was divorced many times over. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy was too young. And do y'all know about Lazarus? Lazarus was dead. He was dead. God can take our brokenness and he can turn it into something incredible. Don't tell me that God doesn't want to use your life. 
Don't tell me that God doesn't want to use you. I'm losing my voice. It's going, pray for me in the third service. It's going to be gone. But don't, God wants to use you. And will you let Him? Here's what we need to understand. He wants to turn your mourning into dancing. He wants to give beauty in return for your ashes. He wants to turn your shame into His glory. He's the only one who can. Our faith is in a resurrected King. And that resurrected King wants to breathe life. Wants to to breathe into your dead life. Our resurrected King, the one who defeated death, wants to breathe into you. But here's something interesting. If you're going to allow Jesus to breathe into you, you got to get close to Him. How, how close to, uh, do I need to get, Jason? As close as you can possibly get. You get as close to Jesus as you can possibly let get. And you let Him breathe into you. And He'll take care of the rest. And so this morning, that's the offering. It's the offering for all of us. God, will you take our brokenness Will you take our mess? Will you take the things that this world looks at and says, that's a defeat. That, that, that is, there's no more in there. You can't squeeze anything else out of it. God, will you take that and turn it into something beautiful? Will you take it and and turn our graves into gardens? That's what God wants to do for us. And that's what he's going to do. That's the story that he will continue to tell in the life of our church and our people. Would you guys pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for today. God, I thank you that we're reminded of what you do in the middle of chaos, in the middle of brokenness, in the middle of a a big mess that we've made of, of life and of this world. God, what you do is incredible. You are the resurrected King. God, just remind us this week, remind us today, that there's nothing too big for you. There's nothing that you can't or won't do. God, allow us to be willing. Allow us to be willing in the middle of whatever it is you're calling us to do and to be about. God, my prayer this morning is that maybe there's a person in this room that needs to know you, that needs to to realize that in the middle of their mess, in the middle of, of whatever it is they're dealing with, that you're there. You love them. You've provided a way through. You've whispered in their ear. It may look like you're surrounded, but I'm right here. And so, God, I pray that we would continue to have that hope, that we would have that encouragement, that you would remind us of that today. That, that if there's someone in this room right now, that needs to do what Jaden did. 
needs to step across that line and say, you know what, I can't do this by myself. I can't do this on my own. This is not about me. This is about Jesus and what He's done for me and what He wants to do through me. God, he, he, You offer that to every single person in this room today. May none of us leave here without that gift, without that opportunity, without being repurposed for a mission for You. God, we love You. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you guys stand up with me? We're going to sing this song again. And I want you to sing it like you've never sung it before. And if you got a decision to make, if you want to pray with someone, we got some folks over at our decision room. They would love to talk with you and connect with you. Let's sing. shadow of a doubt. God is going to put someone in your path this week. He's going to put someone that you know, you work with, you go to school with, 
uh, in your neighborhood. I think later on this week, it's supposed to be really nice. People are going to get out and start doing yard work. They're going to start walking. You're, you're going to sit next to a parent at your kid's ball game. You're going to be in the grocery store. You're going to do something this week where you're going to have an opportunity to talk with someone. Maybe it's only a couple minutes, but you're going to have an opportunity to talk to someone that needs to know what you know now. If you were here today, and all of you were, you know. You now know. You cannot go out and say, I didn't know. I didn't hear. I, I didn't realize. You know now. You know what God wants to do in your life, and you know what He wants to do in every single person's life that He gives you the honor of knowing, of talking to, of having a relationship with. Don't dare miss it. Pray about it. Look for it. Seek it out. Say, God, would you just put somebody... I just want to have one conversation this week. Just a short... I don't want it to be weird and awkward, but would you make it Would you make it cool and incredible and like just normal? And like, I just want to have a conversation with someone about Jesus. So God, would you do that? And, if, and I guarantee you, if you make that prayer, if you say that prayer, you think he's going he's gonna to hear that prayer and it go void? It is not going to go void. Someone's grave needs to be turned into a garden. And it could start with a conversation that you have with them this week. Thanks for being here. I could go on all day, but I can't. I better, I, we, got, we got to get out of here. Um, hey, Easter's right around the corner, right? So here's what we got uh, five services Friday night, Good Friday at 7 o'clock, Saturday at 7 o'clock, and then our regular services, 8 30, 10, and 11 30 on, mor- on Easter morning. That's going to be an incredible time. People are open, right? Christmas and Easter are Christers, we call them, right? Those people, they're, they're open to, to like inv- invites to church. Start, start now. Start laying that groundwork. They're having those conversations. Invite those people. Let's pack this place out on all five of those services on Easter weekend so that more people can know. That God wants to take that sea in front of them and turn it into a highway, right? Let's do that. Hey, also, if you grabbed one of those uh, uh, F- FCA bottles, they need to be back this week. Uh, Roxanne will be here next weekend after next weekend to pick those up. So if you grabbed one of those orange water bottles and filled it with change, please bring that back uh, this week. We'll give those back to her next week. Hey, thank you guys for being here. Let's get out of here. Let's go love God. Let's go love people. And let's go change this world. See you guys.